Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Robert gives this a ride to left field and a long ride it is. Way up and out of here. If you took the plus three something, go to the window because that is a blast. 107.6 miles an hour. That will give you a little sense of satisfaction when the pitcher hits you in the wrist. Oh boy, that ball's annihilated to left field. Elvis Andrew squares this up in a big way. Home run number four for the Sox tonight. 3-2. Drilled in the air, left center field and deep. Back goes Harris. It's got a chance. Gone. Two-run homer, Dansby Swanson. Cubs lead four to nothing. Candelario drives one in the air, deep center field. Back goes Harris near the wall. That ball is going to be off the top of the fence. It might have hit the basket. It is ruled no home run at the moment. They're going to take another look. I thought that ball landed in the basket, and it might be ruled a home run. We'll wait to see. For right now, it's a double for Candelario. Haven't seen it a second time yet. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Yeah. Bum, ba, da, ba, ba. Sing it with me on the low brass, everybody. 
Good morning to you on the 6th of August. It is indeed Hit and Run with me, Matt Spiegel, on 670 The Score. A pleasure, as you know, that I enjoy to get to talk White Sox and Cubs in this unique two-team town all summer long, all season long. And here we are on the Sunday after the trade deadline, and we've got relevance on both sides of town for this morning for very different reasons. On the north side, you've got a good team in the Cubs playing a series against a great team in the Atlanta Braves. Cub fans are getting a chance to watch Atlanta. They are the state of the art. They are they do just about everything well. They have an incredible chemistry as evidenced in a conversation you'll hear that I had with Charlie Morton. Around noon, I'll play you that. I was in the Braves clubhouse yesterday, um, was over at Wrigley just doing a little prep, making sure that we were locked and loaded on a couple of things. Number one is that Mike Talkman of the Cubs is going to join us at about 9.30, so in about half an hour, and um, wanted to make sure that was all set, and it is. And then wanted to check out that Braves clubhouse, talk to some folks, See uh, who was a good talker. I heard Travis Darnold was a good talker, backup catcher. Austin Riley, um, interesting guy. Um, Matt Olson, I was told maybe. But the one I was told to talk to was Charlie Morton, and I enjoyed talking to Charlie Morton very much. Recorded something with him. You'll hear that around noon. A loaded show that will start with the White Sox and the melee in a matter of moments. But just letting you know, Mike Talkman at 930 10 o'clock hour is more open for your phone calls than the 9 o'clock hour. Then Chris Kamka, the NBC Sports Chicago Sultan of Stat at 1040. At 11, we begin our simulcast with Marquee with the Marquee Sports Network. And Cliff Floyd will join us right at the top of the 11 o'clock hour. At 1140, Alex Cohen, the voice of the Iowa Cubs, will talk to us about Pete Crow Armstrong, who has arrived at Iowa. Want to know what that's like, what he looks like? And what Alex thinks of his readiness for a possible September cup of coffee. Also want to ask about Matt Mervis. And want to ask who might deserve and perhaps succeed with a spot start at some point along the way. Since uh, the Cubs are piecing it together on the rotation a little bit. When Kyle Hendricks gets destroyed in the fourth inning. And when Javier Assad fills in for Marcus Stroman. And Hayden Wesneski's used in relief the day before. All that stuff. So... Charlie Morton at noon, as I mentioned. Then we'll be out of here by about 1240 for Cubs and Braves pregame uh, on 670 The Score. But we start with the White Sox because I'll tell you what, folks. This is one way to become relevant in August is to have uh, an, an absolute chaotic embarrassment of a melee that was entertaining as hell. But really, really kind of sad and embarrassing when you allow yourself to think about it. So, look, we need to talk about what happened. We need to talk about why it happened. We'll talk about what people said. We'll talk about the takeaways and all of this. But just like, I, I mean, this is what it takes for the White Sox games to be relevant. Incredible feats would do it. Michael Kopech holding Cleveland hitless through five innings. Not enough to be relevant. The melee is topping ESPN. You open your ESPN app, and the White Sox-Cleveland melee is at the top. That's even after a Jake Paul fight, people. It's even after the Women's World Cup soccer team is eliminated in the middle of the night. 
It's a Tim Anderson, Jose Ramirez melee. And that will lead your Sunday morning baseball show. All right, we're going to play a few things for you that you have to hear. But the first thing you have to hear is Cleveland's radio voice, Tom Hamilton, merely describing what went on as Jose Ramirez doubled in last night's game. Head first slide, safe, and in to score is Jimenez. And another hustle double right over the bag at first. Now Jose and Anderson square off. They're fighting. They're swinging. Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. (laughs) Ramirez went in with a head first slide. Jose never gets upset about anything. They came up chewing. Anderson squared off. Jose decked him. (laughs) Oh, man, I've heard it so many times already last night and this morning, and I laughed out loud again. Down goes Anderson. Yes, there's Howard Cosell in there. There's also Billy Crystal's impression of Howard Cosell. There's also just Tom Hamilton feeling the moment and letting out some of his his previously voiced disgust, um, judgment of the White Sox, but really also of Tim. Tim. Tim has the fall of Tim Anderson in the estimation of the baseball world and the locals is one of the more dramatic and sad falls that I have seen in this town. Done media in this town a long time. He was the best player, the spark plug, the face of the team, and ought to be the face of baseball, said Joe Buck, after the Field of Dreams game. And now it has descended to this, where a melee starts, and not just the opposing broadcaster, but people all around the game, kind of enjoying Tim getting clocked. Sorry to say it, but he instigated. Um, he stood over Jose. There's backstory you'll hear about. And then Tim throws down the glove and faces off. If you've seen the video, like an old-time brawler, like, like Jack Dempsey and Gene Tunney at Soldier Field more than 100 years ago. That's what it looked like. Or Jack Johnson, bare knuckle, before that. It, it's like the oldest fighting pose that humans have ever done. That's what we do. And literally the Notre Dame logo, it, right? It, it, <laughs> it literally was. And then Jose got in there with one hook, and down went Glass Joe. Down he went. You know, I, I mentioned the right hook. We'll get there's more to get to the fight, but let's get to Terry Francona after the fight. The manager of Cleveland being asked about Jose Ramirez's left hook. What do you think of Jose's left hook? Right hook. Right hook. Right. You know, it's not. It, it's really. It's not funny, but when I came in, I'm listening to Hammy. It's hard not to chuckle. I mean, it's, but, you know, again, it's not funny, but boys will be boys. That's Francona. When he says it's not funny, that means it's very, very funny. 
That means they were laughing their ass off and hearing the Tom Hamilton call. Boy, Cleveland just, they love to laugh at the White Sox. Remember, remember was it last year? It was when they clinched. When they clinched last year and they, they said all that, they talked all that smack amidst champagne about the White Sox, had the White Sox in their mind and in their mouth. And understandably so, because everybody said all year, the White Sox are better. Just It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And they're like, yeah, no, it's not. So laughing at the White Sox and Tom Hamilton with down goes Anderson, down goes Anderson. If you didn't see the brawl, there was more than that. So there's that first 10 seconds that happens and T.A. goes down and the relievers are running in from the bullpen uh, right this way. Would you like to go here? How are you doing? How are the kids? Good to see you. All right. Well, let's go out there and pretend to fight. Okay. Right? And so you think it's going to end. It doesn't end. We go to the NBC Sportsnet, um, as NBC Sports Chicago call. This is part two of the fight as Pedro Grafal is out there screaming. And some of the Cleveland coaches are screaming, probably telling Grafal to stop creaming, screaming. Anyway, here's what it sounded like. And now here come the benches some more. Pedro Griffol having words. Yaz just came sprinting back up the stairs in his catcher's gear. And we have some version of round two. Eddie Rodriguez with, is in there. With DeMarlo with Hale. DeMarlo Hale. Who seems to want a piece of Pedro. Evidently. Oh, my goodness. Mike Sarbaugh now getting after Pedro Griffol. And off we go, spilling into foul territory in as long of a brawl as you're going to see in Major League Baseball nowadays. And it's, and it's not over. No, it's still going on, and there's still a few guys ready to unload some punches in this one. My goodness. And Eloy is pretty much saying, can't we all get along? Michael Kopech, Cleveland, and the Sox face-to-face all up and down the roster and staff page of the website. That's a great call by Jason Benetti. It was absolutely chaos as it, as it kept on going. T.A., once he got up after getting knocked out, wanted desperately to get his revenge. I, I, I think he, I think he, I mean, he knew he'd been roasted. Uh, he knew he'd absolutely been roasted. It, he might have got literally knocked out like cold, like concussion, like dazed and lying on the ground. It looks like his body had that response. You know, and and down he went. So then when he got back up, he's completely out of control. No teammate or coach could stop him. That, in my opinion, became ugly and sad. I was watching this and I'm like, who is the veteran presence that T.A. respects and would appreciate trying to calm him down? Andrew Vaughn is trying to hold him back, looking like he wanted no part of that job. But hey, remember Rick Hahn said he was going to be a leader. Remember Rick Hahn said after the deadline, it's going to be an interesting time in this room. People like Andrew Vaughn will have to step up and lead. So Vaughn's like, okay, I guess this is me now. All right, here I go. Tim, Tim, I got you. I got you. I mean, seriously, find some of the screen caps of Andrew Vaughn's face who wanted no part of it, but thought he should. Daryl Boston tried to hold Tim Anderson back. Trace Thompson is hanging around. He's been here for six minutes. I know it's like his, his ninth time here, but he's been here for six minutes. Pedro Grafal, he's over letting out his own angst, yelling at managers and coaches like you just heard about. And then Grandal emerges in full gear, like Bonetti said, and tries to make T.A. walk away. T.A. shows lots of pushback for pride. 
He's angry. He's upset. And he eventually goes back into the clubhouse. This thing was not over. This is part three of the brawl. Gave you Hamilton at the top, then Benetti. Here's a little more Benetti and Stone. Well, no, my goodness. Tim Anderson is out of the dugout again. And Andrew Vaughn is having to restrain him back to the dugout. Eloy Jimenez is just totally apoplectic and maybe he hurt himself in all of this. That's usually what happens in some of these brawls which is the guys in the periphery are the guys that wind up getting hurt. Eloy is as just irritated and it looks like disappointed as we've ever seen him. I think what he's saying is he got shoved either from behind again when you're on the periphery. Yep. You're pretty much open season for anybody that can get close to you in a different uniform. Everybody was out. Watch Eloy Jimenez in the middle of this. Looked like somebody stepped on him. Wow. That was quite the adventure between the Sox and Guardians. So that'll wrap up the fight. Uh, in three rounds, uh, the, the Cleveland Guardians take round one in a knockout. And then in round two, the Cleveland Guardians take that one in conversation and yelling from coaches to coaches. And in round three, the Cleveland Guardians take that one because Eloy Menez got hurt in the scuffle and Tim Anderson came out running, trying to still go back and get more. I think he was definitely concussed. I think he was definitely embarrassed. I think this whole team has a vibe of wanting the slaughter rule invoked on the season. They don't want to be playing anymore. It's over, isn't it? We stunk. The window closed. Everybody knows we're toast. They traded away all the pitching. The, the ones who are still here are kind of surprised and maybe disappointed to still be here. They would like, the White Sox would like the slaughter rule invoked on the season. Take them for Dairy Queen and call it a year. That's the vibe. And after the game, we got some explanations as to what went on. After the game, we got explanations. Um, This is a little more from Terry Francona, my favorite manager in the game. You've known that about me for a long time, people. Sit and run with me, Matt Spiegel. Mike Talkman and Cubs Talk coming up. A lot of Cubs during the show, but this is the lead, and it, and it needs to be. This is Terry Francona talking about Tim Anderson uh, jawing with a big pile of, uh, of dudes between him and everybody else. I mean, I didn't appreciate the fact that I thought, I thought Anderson, you know, once he had like 11, 12 guys in between them, that's when he started jawing. Yeah, and I said something to him. I think that's probably what their manager was yelling about, but... You know, it's 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 hard because it's hard to let somebody speak to you like that, and win and not say anything. So, that's emotions. That's that's the way. That's that's okay. So he's talking about Pedro Grifol's emotion and the emotion of all the coaches yelling at each other. But that thing of how he didn't appreciate Anderson. I mean, I didn't appreciate the fact that I thought I thought Anderson. You know, once he had like eleven, twelve guys in between them. Yeah, I mean that's. That that's the kind of stuff that when a fight breaks out and you're like, oh, oh, no, hold me back, hold me back. But as I say, I think Tim was concussed. A texter says, hey, 
dude, Andrew Vaughn carried T.A. about 30 yards. I would rethink your critique. He did pick up Tim Anderson and carry him at the end after T.A. had come back out. Come back out. So Andrew Vaughn's face and his expression and his willingness went on a journey. It was a long fight. So you're right, Texter, that that eventually is what happened. But at the beginning, you see Vaughn like holding him back and everybody kind of taking turns holding T.A. back. And eventually he gets pushed, literally, literally pushed into the dugout, into the clubhouse by a, a, a giant pile of teammates. And then about 30 seconds later, he comes sprinting back out, wants some more. And that's when Vaughn picks him up and carries him. It, it was so ugly. So that's Terry Francona, willing to talk about it, willing to discuss everything. Here's Pedro Grafal talking about the fight last night. This is Pedro Grafal after the game. I just saw them getting after it at second base, and that's all, that's all I saw. And I'm not going to really comment on anything uh, about the brawl. Did you, did you, you got tossed. Uh, do you know what the reason was for that? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm going to let MLB figure this out. They got some work to do. Any understanding at all? Or any, was there any, from you know, state, was there any, anything that led up to, to those two guys? Was there an earlier You know what? Um, you know what? Uh, I, I believe so. But again, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to let MLB do do their, you know, um, investigation. Watch the watch the the video. Um, discuss it between themselves, and they'll come up with some. They'll come up with with what happened. You know, they always do, and it's always and it's always on point. So I'm going to let them do their job, and you know, we'll we'll discuss this at another at another time. So post game press conference is another massive win for Cleveland against the White Sox. Terry Francona, the OG, willing to discuss, talk about it. There's more Francona. We're not going to get to it, but it's like, and then Pedro Grafal says, "I'll let MLB deal with that." It's such a it's such a, a a soft and rudderless organization and team right now, and Pedro was told to come in here and take charge and make culture happen, and it's not happening. You saw those crazy trade deadline rumors after the fact that Salvador Perez of Kansas City was a big time target of the White Sox. Pedro really wanted to get Salvador Perez. I love Salvador Perez. I think he's tremendous. He's very old. He's not great anymore. He's a tremendous leader and a great, great guy, and he loves Pedro Grafal. This is an example of the White Sox trying to reach to a player to define culture and clubhouse because they haven't been able to do that themselves. And it, it, it fits when you think about other things we've talked about, that James McCann and Lucas Giolito were the ones who dragged the pitching infrastructure forward, you know? Like the players were the ones that led that, and then the team caught up. You know, this this is this is this is what happens when you have an organization with with bad and convoluted leadership for decades. That and and then you get a a, a manager forced in there by the owner that does not fit with what you've allowed the GM to do. You've got all this chaos. So now those Salvador Perez rumors are just a scramble for leadership and culture and, you know, uh, decency and relevance that they can't build themselves. Really just a, a rough and ugly, ugly night. But also 
an entertaining night. Can we hear Tom Hamilton one more time before we take a break and get on with the rest of our lives? The lasting, lingering effect of this. Fighting! They're swinging! Down goes Anderson! Down goes Anderson! All-timer. Just like an absolute legend. And you're spot on that T.A. looked like the Notre Dame logo. I mean, it's exactly, it was like, I am fighting man. I will now stand and be fighting man. I love that he took off his sweatbands. He's like, all right, let's do this. Oh, yeah, like, I'm taking off his sweatbands, throws the glove down. The umpire, the second base umpire, is immediately like, oh, we're doing this? Okay, let me back off. Let me turn into Mills Lane real quick. All right, you guys go. All right, I got it. All right, want to see a good, clean fight? Touch your gloves, all right? Like, immediately, it immediately turns into boxing fight routine. Unbelievably entertaining. And then T.A. throws a punch, and then Ramirez kind of throws a half punch, and then Ramirez throws the right hook and completely clocks and knocks out Tim Anderson. And if you think me reenacting it for you on radio is entertaining... Go find the tweet that shows the video where Lucas Giolito is in the bullpen in Anaheim. And he's reenacting the fight from last night's Angels game. There is absolutely no doubt. I don't know what pitcher he's talking to. I don't know who that is. But you can see him go, yeah, so uh, there's a left hand and then kind of an underhand right. And then, like, the big right comes over. And he just went down. And the pitcher's like, wow. And he walks away. Lucas Giolito out there reenacting the Tim Anderson Jose Ramirez fight for his Angels bullpen buddies. God, what a sad and twisted embarrassment of a baseball organization the White Sox are at this moment. They really are. But I'd like to congratulate them on their August relevance. We'll step away on Hit and Run here with me, Matt Spiegel, and Mike Talkman of the Cubs should be joining us when we get back on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. One and two. Ambert fires. In the air center field. Talkman back. Back some more near the wall. And he caught it. What a goal. Oh, yes, he did. Oh, Holy goodness. God. He saved the game, Mike Tuckman, with a game-saving grab over the wall, and the Cubs win. <laughs> Cubs Holy players cow. are pouring onto the field as if they just won the pennant. That is spectacular by Mike Tuckman in center field. Wow. How about the way that ball game ended? The double play, and then Tuckman elevating over the wall to save the day. That is the moment of the Cubs season so far. What has turned into an incredibly fun season with a trade deadline pivot leading to August relevance, hopefully September relevance. And my goodness, some incredible excitement at Wrigley and when they're on the road. And this is Hit and Run on 670 The Score. I'm your host, Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings, all guests appear on the Score Hotline powered by IBEW Local 9, Chicago's original powerhouse, since 1892, and the man who made that catch, Mike Talkman, joins us on the score right now. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm great, man. Yeah, the moment of the year. I've now heard like seven different calls of it, like radio calls, TV calls. It was funny. It happened on the Friday night, and we got back to like regular work on Monday, 
and everybody was still talking about it and playing calls. Have you heard all of like the radio calls and TV calls? Uh, I heard a couple. I mean, I heard the home guys. Um, yeah. Call. Uh, it was it was cool because it was you know like the dad's trip and all that, so they were all excited on the bus after the game and watching the different replays and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to I want to ask about the dad's trip, but yeah, we heard Boog right there with the two holy cows. And like I'd never heard him even give us one holy cow, and I was like, "Well, that's two. That's good." And then listen, listen to this, man. Listen to John Rooney on Cardinals Radio. Okay, this is the end of the game, the catch off, not the walk off, but the catch off. Listen to John. The pitch, a swing and a fly ball that goes to center field, but back to the wall, and a catch by Tuckman reaching over the wall, saving the game for the Cubs, taking a home run away from Alec Burleson. And the Cubs have won seven straight games, beating the Cardinals tonight, three to two. More after this. Call Midwestern Pest Control, your pest prevention <laughs> expert since 1962. Okay, all right, Mike, Mike, he couldn't wait to get to commercial. That's the fastest <laughs> I've ever heard anyone go to commercial. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, plays like that, it's always the, you know, kind of like, highest of highs and lowest of lows you know it's um i guess that depending depending on which dugout you're in um but you know it, it was it was a, it was a great moment and um you know it's uh something that you know i'll remember but it's it's cool that um you know we have a lot of hopefully a lot more cool moments coming this year. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but it's like you know, Cub fans just enjoying Cardinals misery. I needed you to to to, <laughs> to, to understand the relationship. Um, I love that. That's the dad's trip. How psyched was your dad uh, that night? Tell us about that if you can. Yeah, I mean, he was excited. You know, I mean, the whole uh, you know, I think it was just something that was kind of cool in order to. Um, you know, there's there's people and, and everybody's that's you know there's all there, that all the guys in the clubhouse. You know, there's people in their lives that you know have sacrificed a lot and, and supported and, and all that stuff so much. So, you know, to kind of have um, you know an opportunity to do something like that and just you know show a little bit of appreciation and kind of treat everyone a little bit. Um, I thought it was you know I thought it was a cool thing and um, you know it seemed like everybody there was having a great time and. Uh, you know, kind of just getting to do a little bit of a road trip, you know, kind of through our through our eyes. I, I, um, I, I was lucky enough to be a softball dad um, for one season, a softball stepdad for a college softball season that was like incredibly fun. And you hang around with the other parents and like have a beer and like talk about your kids and watch the game and, and cheer it on. It's like, did it feel like travel ball days of your youth with all the dads hanging around? <laughs> a little bit. Um, I think, you know, maybe you're a little bit more aware of an adult as an adult of all the, uh, of the alcohol consumption. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, I think they're having a good time. And I think, um, you know, the Cubs, uh, you know, really took care of everyone. And, um, you know, it was just, it was just fun. It was just fun. That's hilarious. So like, you don't have to mention names it was like, Oh my God, look, so-and-so's dad is hammered. Was there some of that on the bus? <laughs> no, no, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing like that. They were, they were all great. Um, you know, I really, I mean, 
you know, just the way that the, the schedule goes. And it was so hot in St. Louis. It's like, well, we're not going to go out and do anything. It's 100 degrees outside. So, yeah. Um, but, you know, just, you know, going to breakfast and, and uh, you know, the bus rides and, and going on the plane and stuff like that. It was just cool. Mike Talkman joining us here on Hit and Run. Um, I really enjoyed talking to you in the clubhouse a couple weeks ago about hitting. And, and it's, it, it, you know, it, it, it was really, it, it was enlightening for me, and it always is, and there's always so much to learn. But I wonder if you could share with the listeners, because people have said many times, God, I love watching that dude at the plate. I love watching his at-bats. What's your objective? What are you looking to accomplish when you go to the plate? What's, what's your objective? Um, I mean, I guess the, the ultimate, um, the ultimate goal is a result, you know, um, in, in the way of getting on base in some capacity. Um, you know, I think that there, and I guess, I guess that's all under the, um, you know, the knowledge that like, it just, there's such a large percentage of failure that's going to be involved with it. So I think then like the next layer of that is, it comes down to execution of approach and it's easy to live with yourself making an out, you know, it's, Hey, I made an out, you know, aggressively within my approach. So, um, because I think that's, you know, going to lead to some sustainable longer term success. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just, it's very approach based and it's like, okay, what do I want to do? Um, you know, what, what, what do I do well in, you know, combination with what this pitcher is trying to do. And can I kind of take all of that and, you know, find a clear, simple idea of what I want to do from an execution or approach standpoint, you know, mm-hmm. in that given at bat. Also asking myself, I guess, you know, what is the, is there something that the situation requires of me, whether that's, you know, moving a runner or trying to score somebody from third with less than two outs or just, you know, put together a good at bat and try to get something started. Yeah, that situational piece that you just mentioned, it sure feels like the whole lineup is thinking like that, you know? I mean, we've all seen hitters who are going up there looking to rake, regardless of what a situation might need. But it seems like all you guys are are thinking about what can we do to maximize the opportunity here and hopefully keep the line moving. Do you feel that as a collective? Uh yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I think that um, we have, you know, a collection of uh, hitters that, you know, have, uh, you know, varying, you know, degrees of uh, skill set. And, you know, I think that in the modern age of numbers and evalu- different, you know, forms of evaluation and all that stuff, like there's really, I think, my opinion is that just there remains one, like, clear-cut absolute in the game and that's if you have more runs than the other team at the end of nine innings you win so you know if there's situations where you can put a run on the board that just increases your odds of winning that day and and ultimately that's what it's about and you know i think that we do a, a really good job of keeping that perspective of you know it's about winning and it's about scoring runs and preventing runs obviously on the other side it, it, it's hard not to say that Cody Bellinger is the most talented offensive player. I mean, obviously there's the defense too, but the most talented player of the bunch. Um, but he absolutely shares that mindset that you just talked about, right? Like, is, is there a power in seeing that guy, a former MVP, 
who's thoroughly happy to go the other way, thoroughly happy to execute a hit and run and just, you know, or make contact again. again you know, he's not, he's not up there looking to just get his every single time. Yeah. I mean, Cody's been phenomenal. And, um, you know, that doesn't even speak to the effect that he has in the clubhouse. You know, he's, um, he's really, he's really funny and he's really uh, positive. And, uh, you know, when, when you have your, your star players that kind of have that personality, um, it just brings everyone together. And it just, um, you know, it's been, it's been, it's been a really, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate um, in my career to play uh, alongside a lot of incredibly talented players. And, you know, he's right, he's right there, you know, at the top of that list. And um, kind of like you said, just his ability to, um, you know, execute a lot of different things offensively. It's, it's really, really impressive. I think, you know, what, like major league average with two strikes is like, 180 and he's hitting like 295 like it's incredible <laughs> so it's it's just it's 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 almost unbelievable at times how how um good he's been you know overall but situationally as well yeah and i was trying to think about like the the, the superstar who's willing to do that it's like when you see you know when, when you'd see kobe play great defense one-on-one constantly all the time you know or like you it, you 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 see a, a a guy who could get sacks on the defensive line on every down who's like well I just got to swallow the double team right here that has an effect on a team I would think yeah yeah I mean I think so I think it um you know whether it's consciously or subconsciously it kind of sends the message like if this is what this guy's willing to do then what's your excuse yeah. you know yeah so yeah. Um, he's been great and, and I mean and and you know not just him I think you know one through nine and. Um, you know the at bats off the bench that we've had have been have been great. Guys coming in in certain spots having just big at bats, and and they're the um, you know I think I think there's sort of that elimination of ego in that in that regard has been awesome. Just a couple more minutes with Mike Talkman on his. Uh, it sounds like on your way to the ballpark this morning. Yeah, on my on my way on my way early day today. Uh, outstanding. I um I saw that obvious shirts and they do an amazing job over there has unleashed the Palatine Pounder T-shirt. It's pretty cool. It's got like the like a, the old school banner look on the T-shirt. Do you have one? Do you have uh, a trunk full of them? Are you handing them out to kids at grocery stores? Like what's your relationship with your own T-shirt at this point? Uh, I'm, I'm still waiting for him to show up, man. What's up still- with that? I'm, I'm still waiting for him to show up. So I don't know if you know anyone over there, you know, yeah. maybe you could hook me up. Yeah, I totally do. Like you do, you need a couple of, you need a box in the clubhouse. You need a box in the trunk, you know? <laughs> I, <laughs> I think the whole team needs them. Yeah. <laughs> um. It, yeah. So like, you're not driving in for Palatine. Like you're not staying at the parents' house, like in, in these days as you're having this season, are you? No, no, I don't. I, uh, I, I think uh, I decided when I got married that, you know, I probably shouldn't live with mom and dad anymore. So I, I do have my own place now for a few years now. Congratulations on that. Thank man. you. Yeah. yeah. No, that's big. You know, a lot, a lot of people after college, you know, if things don't work out, you know, they go back, but uh, I'm, I'm glad you're established. Are you, uh, how are your ticket requests doing? How's, how's that going for the local? That's well, not bad. Good. It's not bad. Um, you know, when, uh, when you haven't been in town for, you know, eight months a year for the last yeah. 11 years, 12 years, you, uh, you keep your circle pretty tight. So, you know, I, I have some family come out and I have some, 
friends come out on the weekend every, every now and then, but you know, uh, not, not too bad. Yeah. You know, you, you, that's a long career already. I mean, you, you've, you've put in some time all over the place playing in Korea, um, some great years with the Yankees and San Francisco and stuff. Like, did you, it, it had, it, are you surprised? Surprised? No. Cause you work your butt off. You had a great spring and you probably should have made this roster out of the spring. So, so, so what's the feeling now having another season like this, like a, an established trusted part of a, of a good team making a run. That's pretty, it's pretty cool to have that again at this point in your career. Yeah. I mean, it's been great. And, um, you know, been fortunate to be on some good teams, um, which, you know, getting to talk to some of the younger players here who, you know, whether it's their first, uh, experience the major leagues or maybe they were up a little bit last year and and just kind of go being able to talk to them and just make sure or emphasize maybe that it's like hey man you know playing important games in august and september is really cool and like that's what it's about and enjoy it and know what this feels like and you know this this is the goal you know this is the goal winning in the big leagues is the goal and um you know, it's, 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 it doesn't, a lot of people don't get those opportunities. You know, a lot of great players don't get those opportunities. So when you have one, it's, it's all the more important to try to take advantage of it. Mike, thanks for talking. Appreciate it. Um, enjoy yourself and, uh, and, and go get those Braves today. They're pretty good. That bunch. Okay. They are good, but we'll be ready to go. There you go. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. All right. Thank yeah, you. That's Mike Talkman, the Palatine Pounder. Obvious shirts, shout out, Joe, Mike would like some of his own shirt. He'd like some. A box, a, a couple of boxes, I don't know. You know, I, I, who am I to get in your business? But that, that is a ball player who'd like, to, like, like to, to work with you. Well, and I bet you a lot of people would wear those shirts around Wrigley, too. He's a you know, hometown yeah. kid. I think that's true. Um, 670, the score is where you are. We got time for your phone calls at the top of the hour. We're going to throw open the phone lines now. The call screener is here, and uh, he will help Sean Sears execute said call screening. He just uh, gave me a little salute right there. Good job, young man. He's already been paid by the boss today. Boss left him a note in an envelope down the hall, taking care of business. Could be a new new Rubik's Cube, new speed Rubik's Cube, because he lost the other one. I don't know whether to buy him another one because he's lost a couple of them. We'll talk about it, okay? We'll talk about it off the air. Anyway, phone lines are open. Some Sox fans really hated my takes and thoughts on the White Sox fight at the, on the first segment. We can certainly talk about that. We can talk about this good Cubs team that is playing a great Braves team and all that entails. And I want to let you hear David Ross talking about a very key member of this team who's having to accept what is essentially a demotion. You'll hear that next before we take your calls at the top of the hour on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. There's a drive in a deep right center off the bat of Candelario. It's got a chance. Gone. Candelario with a home run. And the Cubs have put a high five on the board here in the first inning. Listen to this crowd. Wow. 
Way to go, Sean Sears. Sammy Davis Jr. makes hit and run on a Sunday morning. Warms my heart. The Candyman himself, Jamer Candelario, talked with him earlier in the week on Parkins and Spiegel during the week, but this is hit and run. As you know, Sunday mornings we talk Cubs, we talk White Sox. Jamer Candelario, a really good ad, the best bat that moved the trade deadline because the Cubs held on to Cody Bellinger. And Candelario, as you know, playing some first base. Now, it's interesting because we'll be on the lookout for this and what has gone on. He played first base yesterday, but he did play third base once too. And obviously David Ross can move things around, but the, the, the proclamation that Candelario will play first means a few different things. As you know, it means a lot of Nick Madrigal at third base who has proven himself defensively in a way that a lot of us did not expect. Um, and has also been hitting. Okay. You know, just okay, but okay. And Jed Hoyer was on the station this week, expressed, some details about things they figured out with Madrigal and made him go back down to Iowa to work on, and he did, and also some appreciation for him. And he said one very simple thing that broke Lawrence Holmes's brain. He said, he's just a really good ball player. Nice and clean. I played it for Lawrence in transition, and I thought Lawrence was going to break. So anyway, Madrigal's in and playing a lot of third, you can't sit Mike Talkman against right-handed pitching. You just can't. So that means what? Talkman's in right if Candelario's at first and Bellinger is in center. So what happens to Seiya Suzuki? Clearly, he will sit against right-handers for the most part. And that is a big, big change to his playing time, to his usage, to what Cub fans can expect. I'm sure he got dropped on a bunch of fantasy rosters when that news kind of crossed and got through. And then yesterday before the game, David Ross spoke to this and explained, you know, this is what happens on a good team, on a good roster. Egos have to be sublimated and say has got to accept what the new reality is. There'll be some guys in this stretch that'll get some everyday players going to get some, some time off. And, um, you know, he's going to be a big part of our success. You know, he's one of our best players. So, um, we're going to need him swinging the bat well. His defense out there is elite, and um, he'll he'll play a lot of a lot of meaningful games for us. He'll play a lot of meaningful games, but as Ross talked about, it's not going to happen against right-handed pitching. And he has looked bad. He has looked very lost and in between. And David spoke about that as well. Just like he, he's he's looked confused at times, not trusting himself. So whether he's up in his own head, whether the notorious um, umpiring he has faced, getting a lot of strike calls outside the zone, for whatever reason, a lot of umps calling strikes on Seiya Suzuki when they're not strikes, more than others. I don't know why that's happening, but it has happened. It seems to have gotten in the man's head. So hopefully he's okay and accepting it in terms of the mental and psychological part of it. And that is the job for the manager. Here you go. Here's a big pile of egos and people. What you got? Manage them. Doug Glanville was on the station this week talking about Dusty Baker's incredible ability to do that. In 2003, when Doug and Tom Goodwin and and many other full-time players arrived here at the deadline, um, that was Aramis Ramirez year and Kenny Lofton year, right? 
So uh, all of those guys arriving, and it was like, whoa, okay, oof, I guess we got to manage this, and that's that's the job. And I do believe that it is a strength of David Ross's. And guess what? This is modern baseball. Look what Kevin Cash does in Tampa. Not as many veterans. Look what Dave Roberts does in L.A. Here, here's a really good player, but only against lefties. Here's a, a good, strong player, but tell him he's only playing short against righties, and then Chris Taylor will use you in the outfield every once in a while. You know what I mean? That kind of stuff. It's crazy, but such is the modern game. All right, phone lines are open. We will reset on the Cubs moment here against the Braves and on the big, nasty, ugly fight and get your thoughts on the White Sox melee last night and Tim Anderson as well as the Cubs Braves headed towards games three of their series later on this afternoon. Cliff Floyd will join us in an hour. Chris Kamka in about 45 minutes. But right now it's you and me on Hit and Run on the score. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.